Outlaws and Scorned Women is intended for entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this show should ever be construed as actual legal advice. Also, it is chock full of adult content, so we do recommend a little bit of listener discretion. Um, this is not going to be the funny episode. I mean, what a year this last three days have been. Oh, you remember last episode when we were like, ha 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 ha, quarantine. <laughs> oh, 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 hiring people for murder. Oh, 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 like, you remember that? Wasn't that fun? Oh, I feel so sad. I was, I mean, I was young. And <laughs> yeah, no, we were, we were so young and full of hope. That was 600 Wednesdays ago. Oh, my God. So that was that was a month ago. And like <clears throat> in the before times, uh, we would strive to have a, an episode released every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but life being the way it is right now, that's not really happening. And we've had a month. At, by the time this episode is released, it's going to be over a month since our last episode. Uh-huh. And like listeners, all both of you, I love you. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. About that delay. I apologize. That's <laughs> clumsy as hell. But like, I mean, <sighs> I mean, I, you're you're busy. You got your life. I've got me personally over here in this Stephanie's land. Uh, yeah, my mental health took a nosedive, uh, as it does. I mean, I've I've been managing my depression for like 20 years now. Um, so this is I know the drill. And so as soon as I feel myself starting to slip down that slope into that pit in your soul that you dig once you uh, have depression. I, I emergency measures were put in place, and I had to drop everything and focus on self care and getting myself back on track as much as I could in quarantine. And that was the right thing to do. That is the right thing for anyone right. to do. And that is, thank you. You know, my friend. If if you are um, fortunate enough to catch yourself, mm-hmm. then that's what you got to do. Yeah. And so, yeah. thank goodness. And mm-hmm. I'm happy to see you and be here with you. Thanks. No, it's good to be it's good to emerge uh, from the cloudy haze that it is uh, and, and and know that, you know, I got myself here and we're good. And like, I'm a big fan of therapy and of, of supportive medications, if that's what anybody needs. I mean, do you do what you need to do mm-hmm. for your mental health? Absolutely. I 10,000% support it. For me personally, mm-hmm. that's not the route that I take. I don't currently have a therapist. I should probably get one, especially now when like me and my compromised immune mm-hmm. system, we're not leaving the house. Mm-hmm. So like, but there are online options. Yes. There's remote therapy. It can be done. And I just, it's the thing about a depressive episode is you cannot, like you, all you can do is get from day to day. Yeah. You cannot, like, I don't, me personally, I could not okay, I am depressed and I am going to find that therapist right now. No, it is now on the other side of it, on the shores of it, that I can actually start implementing solutions. It was survival before. Well, for sure. Now I can start implementing solutions. And that's a day by day. And right now I feel like in this situation we're all in, a lot of things, Mm -hmm. they're uncertain. We don't know what the other side is. We don't know what the other side looks like. And we're not even sure, like, just because it's a little brighter right now, is it the other side? No. Yet? That's right. And it's uh-huh. like, we don't know if we can make plans for next month, much less what next month looks like. 
So that's right. a lot of that creates anxiety and uncertainty. And so day by mm-hmm. day, if that's how we got to take it, that's that's how we take it. And yes, you know, and we just we just get through and, you, you know, you reach out for help. I happen to be married to a wonderful man. Uh, who was super supportive and really helped me get through it. Shout out. Love you. Um, so anyway, God, long, deeply personal story short. Uh, <laughs> that's why there's been a delay in the episodes. And um, it certainly hasn't helped uh, watching the entire world burn outside. <laughs> like as far as just holding on to a positive viewpoint of the world. I was really really um indecisive about what to do for this episode but i know the first thing we should do is introduce it <laughs> oh well, wait, <laughs> i mean before yet. before we introduce it um okay okay what what's next for 2020 like um from what what's, i understand oh are we taking bets is it is a giant cthulhu coming out of the ocean like on the beach <laughs> oh, is it God. is it the I mean, storyline from the mist like i've i've heard um mm-hmm. you know different speculation but where where do we go? Um, has anybody checked in with the dolphins lately? Are they still here? <laughs> uh, do we have a note from them thanking us for all the fish? That's right. I think that these are things we need to, like, I want to tweet the Monterey Bay Aquarium. They're usually on top of that kind of thing. That is a good question. And just see. Oh, because damn. Look, I don't know what's going to be next. Every every month is just trying to, to top the month prior. There was murder hornets. But I will say... Mm-hmm. You know, from all of that, from COVID-19 mm-hmm. and murder hornets and whatever is next, I, I feel like we are in an exciting moment um, in that yeah. with all of this, like the, the pain and the difficulties that we're going mm-hmm. through, that people see hope on the other side and going to hang on to that. There is a lot of um, energy towards change going on right now, which is uh exciting in the same way that going over the top hill of a roller coaster and realizing your seatbelt is not fastened is exciting (laughs) like this is gonna be fun might not survive it but we might and it might be awesome but we gotta see like it's so okay okay i was i was very indecisive about what episode, what to cover for this episode. Originally, we were planning on covering the Waco incident with the Branch Davidians. That's right. And that was going to be like a big two-parter, and we were really going to dive into that. And we will, eventually. But too much is going on right now. And so I I didn't know what to do. I was very apprehensive about approaching any, uh, any current topics that's going on right now with the murder of George Floyd and the protests that are in every single major city across the entire United States and much of the planet right now. Um, and I wasn't really sure where to go with that. So I reached out to you, mm-hmm. my partner, my friend, and I was like, what do we do? And you were like, we do it. <laughs> I, right. I said, um, it's not the time for white silence. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I have a, a personal tale for that as well. Um, I mm-hmm. feel like in my life and the way we've raised our kids that, you know, I strive very hard to check my privilege, to check my prejudices right. that I was raised mm-hmm. with and around. And right. I thought of myself as not racist. And I saw a friend mm-hmm. of mine and she is POC and she has two amazing kids, um, including a son who is inquisitive, adorable, scientific minded and she reached out to all of her lawyer friends and said 
you know, I really want to know if my white friends are with me. And if you're listening, right. I really okay. want to know, mm-hmm. does this matter to you? Mm-hmm. And I felt like I had been just working from home, kicking back, thinking, well, it goes without saying that right. I'm right there with you. But some things have to be said. And so, right. I had to say, no, no, mm-hmm. I am. And I will be out yeah. loud. And I won't just mm-hmm. be not racist. I will work on myself to be more anti-racist. So there right. I am. So uh, you uh, lent my spine a little steel on this one. And so that's why I uh, welcome you all back to Outlaws and Scorned Women, the podcast where um, we... God, how do I even intro? It's been a month. How do we intro the show? The podcast where we explore the criminal history of the great state of Texas. Boom! Nailed it. Got it. (laughs) Whew! That sucked. Okay. My name is Stephanie. I am a lapsed theater kid. Uh, Just... Whew! trying to to shine a light on the world and on my own brain and uh you are i'm stephanie and i'm happy to be here and i have been you know trying to catch up on on the legal world surrounding these like massive events and the story that we're going to talk about tonight right so uh i am so i've never been so glad to be friends with a lawyer (laughs) like to have somebody who i can like sit down with and talk about and go oh really Okay, just just tell me about the law. So uh, I'm really looking forward to digging into this story uh, with you and and picking it apart and taking a good hard look at the very recent uh, history of uh, of race relations with the uh, what am I trying to say? Look, the relationship between police and people of color in this country, you may have noticed, is strained. Uh, And it has been for a while. And we're going to talk about uh, one of those instances that happened in the great state that we love. Uh, We will be talking about the story of Sandra Bland. Right. Um, It is. I mean, do you have a word to describe how you feel about this story? I mean, it's heart wrenching. It's somebody taking, you know, a piece of you out of you and just Mm -hmm. showing it to you because it is infuriating this story it's just and i just but uh, and i think that you and i uh as i mean yeah i'm technically uh latina but like i haven't been in direct sunlight for over a decade so i'm i'm very very white passing um so you and i as uh as as karen aged white women need to take this moment with our little bitty platform of this podcast to uh to speak and to show support and to say that Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. uh, and that uh, we're going to tell this woman's story. That's right. Uh, as as thoroughly and respectfully as possible. And and we can also add that our telling of this story does not demean or devalue law enforcement. It approves of and appreciates the rule of law mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that there are standards for how the law is applied to us and that we can demand rightfully in this country that the law apply equally and that when we are free people, we can mm-hmm. act free, we can be free and we mm-hmm. can live through our encounters, however great, however small with law enforcement, because we know that there is a value placed on life and liberty mm-hmm. and justice according to the rule of law. Boom. So buckle up, buttercups. Let's get into it. I just want to do right by her. That's all. 
That's all I want to do. So here we go. <clears throat> go with me on this. You and whoever can hear the sound of my voice, go with me on this. I want you to picture the all-American girl, right? She grows up in suburbia. She sings in her church choir. She does all the extracurriculars. She's a high school cheerleader. She plays the trombone in the high school marching band. She graduates from high school. She gets a, a music scholarship to go to an A&M university in Texas, where she joins a sorority that focuses on volunteer work and community service. And she graduates with a bachelor's degree in agriculture. Can you picture her in your mind? Can you see this all-American girl with her big, bright, sunshiny smile and her whole life ahead of her? Do you see her? What color is her skin? Yeah. If I'm being honest, over here in my mind, she's white. Because it doesn't matter that my mama was born in Mexico. I've still got a lot of internalized racism from growing up in America that I need to, that I need to unpack and dig out and dispose of. But... If you picture that all-American girl and you see her there and she's so full of hope and promise with a really, a truly glorious smile, but picture her with black skin, you've got Sandra Bland. Sandra Annette Bland, known as Sandy by her friends and family and everyone who loved her, um, Sandra Bland was born in 1987. She was one of five girls raised by a single mom in Chicago's near west side. I don't know anything about Chicago. That's Yankee land, as far as I know. Um, but it gets cold there. Yeah, they have snow. Um, they know what snow is and how to survive in it. I don't. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know anything about the different neighborhoods in Chicago, but apparently uh, Chicago's near west side got to be pretty rough after a while. So about the time that Sandra was nine, her mama Geneva packed up her five girls, and moved to DuPage County, which is a suburb of Chicago, and that's where Sandra grew up. Uh, she, uh, as described in the All-American Girl intro, she uh, went to high school. She was a cheerleader. She was the only black cheerleader on the high school cheerleading squad. Nobody had to threaten to murder anybody to get her on it. She just got there by her, by her force of will and skill and bright smile alone. Uh, she was, she did play trombone in the marching band and that would go on to shape pretty much the rest of her life because of her playing trombone and marching band, uh, Prairie View A&M University in Prairie View, Texas came a calling up in the Chicago area because Prairie View A&M University has a very famous marching band called the Marching Storm. They are credited as one of the pioneers of the big drum line. Okay. That's awesome. You know, the, the stuff that really gets your heart pounding anytime there's a marching band. I love the horns. I love the brass. That's great. But get those drums going and oh, right down in my soul. You feel it in your chest. It's so, oh, I love marching band. Anyway, um, so she went with this musical scholarship. She went to Prairie View A&M University. She's an Aggie, by the way, because she did go to an A&M University. Yeah. Anyway, while she was at Prairie View, she studied animal science. Um, I'm not entirely sure what animal science includes, but it sounds like all of the classes I want to take every day of my life. Uh. 
<laughs> you can study the science of animals. I imagine it's more uh, with an agricultural bent because it is an A&M university. Um, A&M stands for agriculture and mermaids. Mermaids. <laughs> Machinery. Don't say that. <laughs> so, no, it's already in there. Are no. we Googling it right now? Don't do it. What does A-N-M stand for? Look, up, I looked up a bunch of shit. Agricultural and mechanical. Mechanical. Oh! <laughs> God, we know Texas are what? I, I knew it at some point. I was like, it's gotta be, but I couldn't. My brain kept trying to say engineering, which doesn't yeah. start with an M. It's engineering. Oh, is, which is which is like Love engineering your own man. It's a different. It's a different pursuit entirely. It's a whole other schools for that. Engineering, Jesus Christ. Anyway, <laughs> so Sandra wanted to work for the FDA. She wanted to work in um, in agricultural science, working for the Food and Drug Administration. She had dreams, and like a lot of millennials graduating high high school. Psh, like a lot of millennials graduating college in 2009 with a head full of dreams and a very expensive degree in your hand, she could not get a job. This was 2009. The Obama administration had just started. The Bush administration had just finished. The economy had not quite started to recover yet from, the, from that whole situation. From the big bubble bursting. and yep. Yeah. So... She was in the same position as many, 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 many other college graduates at the time. There were no jobs. There were no jobs in their field. And not only was she a fresh college graduate with no work experience trying to find a job, she was a black woman. And that holds its own economic impact and its own hindrances to her ability to find a job. So Sandra had some struggles at that time. Uh, she did honestly what a lot of us did straight out of college. She bounced from shitty job to shitty job, uh, barely making ends meet, if at all. Sometimes the ends did not meet. She bounced back and forth between mm. the Houston area because Prairie View uh, is just northeast of Houston. Um, so she'd bounce back and forth between the Houston area, the, Pier the Prairie View area, and up to Chicago where she had some family uh, who could help support her. She's back and forth between theirs. Um, during this time, she does experience an ectopic pregnancy. Um, now, for those of us who don't have a uterus or fallopian tubes, an ectopic pregnancy is when uh, the egg is fertilized, not in the uterus where it would be able to become a baby, but in the fallopian tube where it will not be viable. And It's very um, dangerous, isn't it? They're very dangerous for the mother and they're extremely painful. And so uh, she went through that whole emotional ringer, physically and emotionally and mentally. Uh, it was very painful, and it was it was non-viable, and that that pregnancy was lost. She, during this time, did tell various friends that she was suffering from from depression, and like, hi, I feel you, I feel you in my soul. That is so totally understandable. In that situation where you cannot find a good job, you cannot find a way to apply everything that you've learned and devoted yourself to do, and you've lost a pregnancy. You've gone through all of that. Yeah, okay, Have you're going to have some depression. That is totally understandable. And she did what, honestly, any of us at that age uh, with a lack of insurance would do, and she escaped into a little bit of booze and a little bit of weed. Now, Sandra had many multiple traffic tickets. Um, fun fact, 
Texas has no state income tax. So a good chunk of the Texas state revenue comes from traffic, from traffic stops and traffic tickets. Um, So you can get pulled Mm -hmm. over for all kinds of stuff in Texas. And the tickets are expensive. There's a lot of charges that get racked up and up and up because of complicated laws that I don't understand that put those little dollar amounts that stack up onto your onto your ticket. When you get a ticket, that ticket, when the cop hands it to you, is like a CVS receipt. It's so damn long. And there's just all of these little charges tacked on. And at the bottom, it's just expensive as hell. Well, <clears throat> Sandra has multiple traffic tickets. She has a couple of DUIs. She's got a couple of minor um, marijuana possession charges, personal use only. It's just the kind of thing that you're going to get. What am I trying to say? Do you know what I'm trying to say? I'm trying to say that, like, you're a black lady who got pulled over. If you've got a pot leaf in your car, you're getting caught with it. Well, some of but it, like, too. The, what you said about the mm-hmm. um, the policing um and the getting stuck in a cycle of having mm-hmm. tickets that you right. can't afford to pay that you and then they pay. turn into warrants and then you mm-hmm. have you know the potential for an arrest and you have to constantly be paying down these civil penalties mm-hmm. at the risk of you know losing your freedom and so mm-hmm. um there there's literature on the topic about how some of these are poverty traps they're debt traps Absolutely. because mm-hmm. if you can't pay it all the way down, then it continues to accrue and accumulate. And mm-hmm. then you end up with these marks on your record. And right. then as far as um, the possession charges and um, DUI, you know, there is there is something to be said about statistically who is more likely to have mm-hmm. those marks on their record because who, you know, um, demographically can afford to Mm -hmm. fight them, can afford to get them, you know, taken off their record, who can afford to ensure that those cases Mm -hmm. are dismissed when they need to be dismissed. Mm -hmm. And so it can become this, this trap that you can't find your way out of. Because who can afford a lawyer? If you can't afford to pay the ticket in the first place, then you can't afford Mm -hmm. the lawyer to fight the minor possession charge. And you can't afford, uh, you can't afford to, to miss work to make your court date. So that's going to exacerbate problems too. And so it does become this sort of this this maelstrom whirlpool you're just sort of circling the drain of this financial situation and of course the really smug argument would be well don't get pulled over or don't, don't do those things don't and- do those things and it's like look i you're going to get pulled over i get pulled over and that whole situation and- is overwhelming like you're talking about yeah. finding navigating a situation when you're mm-hmm. already under the extreme pressures of finding a job, of not being able to make your ends meet, of the emotional right. and hormonal duress. Mm-hmm. So yeah. many things. And she actually got to the point where she was unable to pay her tickets. Apparently, this was news to me. There's a system in Texas where mm-hmm. if you cannot pay your tar- your traffic ticket, you could just go sit in jail. You can time serve and it. You can time serve it. X amount of dollars a day. If you owe thousands Essentially, she'd accumulated a couple of thousand dollars worth of traffic violations just because of this cycle that you've described. Mm -hmm. She couldn't pay it off. She ended up doing, all told, over a couple of stints, uh, over 30 days in county lockup, working off these things. And like, how does that, how does, you're doing your time in county lockup, which the in the Harris County Jail, which that's a whole other episode on its own, talking about the conditions in the Harris County Jail and 
investigations that were done into the Harris County Jail. Harris County is the biggest county in Texas, I think. Don't quote me on that. I'm being quoted on that right now because I'm being recorded, but <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, the Harris County Jail is is a pit of despair and so she did a bunch of time in there just trying to work off this financial debt and and how does that help your employment prospects once you've done any time in lockup anybody runs a background check on you how is she ever supposed to get a job how is she ever supposed to be able to dig herself out of this hole and yes you could you could make i have relatives in my family i can hear them in my ear saying well if she just hadn't gotten if she hadn't been speeding in the first place like, okay, sure, yes. But you know who can speed and get away with it and not end up in this pit? Me. Well, and the other, the the flip side too is, so that happens. So are you mm-hmm. saying somebody is forever, you know, um, supposed to not be able to get a good job, not be able to move and establish mm-hmm. themselves in the workforce as a productive and highly valued member of mm-hmm. a company or a society? As a college-educated woman, she can't ever become what she should be because she got you can't say because she was speeding. Kids will be kids. Kids will be yeah. kids. She was young. She made a mistake. But I mean, we say it for other people. Yeah. And I can't. And I think if we think about it real hard, we take a second and think about it. We might be able to find what the difference would be between what was his name? Brock Turner. Ugh, that was exactly his name. Oh, uh, between that young man who it was one little indiscretion, he could just spend a few months in jail and then we'll never, ever speak of it again unless you're on this podcast. And then you want to point out the iniquities of um, what happens between uh, uh, white people being convicted of things and black people being convicted of things, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, what I was trying to say is if we just sit and think about it real hard, then we might be able to find the differences between those people who get a kids will be kids and those folks who uh, get stuck in this never ending cycle of debt to the state. So if you're Sandra Bland and you are stuck in this endless loop of tickets and not being able to pay them and not being able to get a job and sometimes being in jail and not being able to, t- to do anything with your education and with your time on this earth, if you can't afford to pay your traffic tickets, how in the hell are you going to pay for therapy? Right. I mean, no judgment. As I've stated earlier, I am a fan of therapy. I'm a big fan, but I also totally understand not being able to afford it. I had a lot of years where I was not on my parents' insurance. My mom was not paying my medical bills. And so, yeah, I could not afford antidepressants. I couldn't afford a a therapist to prescribe them to me. I couldn't afford any of that. But you know what I could afford? Cigarettes and Jack Daniels. So that was my my self-medication regime. Like, so I really... Was it a healthy choice? No. Was it the choice that I had to make at the time? Yes. And so what we're experiencing is is empathy, right? We can see, mm-hmm. we all know people or our own personal experiences reflect periods of time in mm-hmm. our lives, in our long life, where, um, you know, some of us who reach middle age dumb, we had the mm-hmm. opportunity to mess up, to fall down, yeah. to mm-hmm. make mistakes and to um, find our way out of them. And it it really is tragic that Sandra Bland was in this moment where she's just Mm -hmm. desperate to make a life, but she is running into, you know, um, institutional problems. Like she is um, finding she is 
in this cycle of... Mm -hmm. The system keeps getting in her way. So this is 2009, 2010. That's about when Obamacare stops out, starts up. But even with insurance, therapy costs money. So yes, she could have technically accessed it. But again, reference the prior financial uh, just whirling pit of despair that she was in. Um, also, there is there's there is a cultural stigma yeah. amongst minorities, not just amongst, amongst black people, amongst minorities against seeking therapy. Mm-hmm. I speak of it, uh, to to my own, the Mexican half of my family. There is there is a cultural stigma against expressing your emotions, admitting any kind of weakness. And then you start getting into um, what I found. I found um, a paper that was written on, quote, the myth of the strong black woman and how that stands up this ideal that black women mm. who are mm, so strong but and i agree but but that there is this supposedly inherent natural strength and so if a black woman such as sandra bland is struggling in any way there's a stigma against her finding help because she's supposed to be strong i have some stats do you want to hear some stats let's let's talk stats okay <clears throat> now um african americans are no more or less likely than any other ethnicity to experience mental health issues. However, access to mental health care is the problem. The American Psychiatric Association says that only one in three African Americans who need mental health care have access to receive it. That's even now. That's that's based on 2017 stats. Mm-hmm. The CDC is even more grim. In the 2010, in the 2010, the 2010. <clears throat> In 2010, they had a study uh, that showed that African-Americans reported major depression at a much higher rate than white Americans, but that only 8% of African-Americans were able to receive treatment for it. So there is just statistically, statistically, the the odds against Sandra Bland receiving help for the depression that she was telling her friends that she had were vanishingly slim. That's a 92% odds against her. Yeah. If I'm if I'm reading my statistics correctly, I'm probably not. I have a degree in theater, but basic <laughs> math is within my grasp. So uh, uh, during this time, she is millennials. Tell me if you feel this. Uh, she's aimless. She's she's uh, got all of this potential and she's not able to realize it because of just basic circumstance. She knows she wants to do something with her life, but she cannot seem to find what that is. Right. And then. On February 26, 2012, in Sanford, Florida, a 17-year-old boy named Trayvon Martin was walking down the street with nothing more dangerous on his person than a bag of Skittles, a hoodie, and his own black skin, and he was murdered for it. In 2013, Trayvon's killer, George Zimmerman, was acquitted, and thus the Black Lives Matter movement was born. And then in 2014, the movie Selma was released, uh, and that was about the Montgomery voting rights marches that were led by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and John Lewis, who would eventually become um, a titan of United States government. All of these things happening at the same time as Sandra's struggles gelled together to sort of burst inside of her this light of inspiration. She had an idea of what she wanted to do, and she was motivated to get her shit together and make it happen. And she started it in 2015 by posting videos called Sandy Speaks. 
Good afternoon, my beautiful kings and queens. It is Wednesday, April 8th, 2015. Hopefully you are out there or were out there this morning doing something productive, successful, something that is going to help establish your kingdom and queendom. Today, Sandy Speaks is going to focus directly on my white people. White people. Yes, black people know that all lives matter. But what I need you guys to understand is that being a black person in America is very, very hard. Uh, monologues about race, about politics, about police brutality against black people. Um, she's funny. She's witty. She's insightful. Um, if you can, hop online. There's a YouTube channel that has all of her videos. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Her videos are, in light of this story, heartbreaking. But she really had... She, hers is a voice that it's very unfortunate that we lost, in my opinion. So she also talked openly about her own mental health struggles in these videos, which was, and she talked about how it's taboo in Black culture to talk about I mean, your depression and your mental health. It's brave and courageous of anyone mm. to be able to talk about their internal strife and struggles and to put it out there. On the internets for all the world to see. And it's immortal. It's There's a YouTube channel. It is called Sandy Still Speaks. And yeah, absolutely. If you want to cry a little, uh, go, go watch them. Um, so she, while she's making these videos, she finally gets a steady job at a place called Cook's. What Cook's does is they manufacture um, eating utensils, cafeteria utensils like trays, spoons, cups, all of that stuff. It's a manufacturing company. Um, it's a decent job. It's steady. Uh, and she and it's working out well for her, except she found out that the company supplied cafeteria utensils to the penitentiary system. And she could not square that with her personal ethics. It hurt her heart to work for a company that supported a system that she viewed uh, not unjustifiably as being a machine that just chews up black people and spits them back out. So she quit. And so now, jobless and uninsured, full of inspiration and nowhere to go with it, she turns back to her alma mater. She turns back to Prairie View A&M University. And she looks online. And her friends are helping her look online to find, uh, to find anything, job opportunities at Prairie View, and she finds one. And she gets an interview for it. She's in Chicago, and she needs to interview, like, now. So she just hops in the car. She was on the phone with a friend of hers when she found it. She got the email about the interview, and she told him, fuck it, I'm going to Texas. She hopped in the car, and she drove for 16 hours straight, nonstop. Gets to Prairie View, takes a shower, goes to the interview. Like, she is motivated. She wants to make this work. This is the job upon which her hopes for her future are being pinned. And she got it. She got the job. She was thrilled. She was so excited. She called everybody. Her family were surprised to hear that she wasn't in Chicago. <laughs> um, <laughs> but congratulations. We're so happy for you. You have a job. And she finally, she got to, um, she was going to crash with her friend until she worked at the job for a bit and was able to get on her feet. And she's going to contribute to this new household that she's going to be a part of. She wants to go grocery shopping because that's the first thing you do when you're getting settled in, in a new place. I need food in the fridge. I need the tastes of home to ground me in this place. This is my new life, my new groceries. We're going to do this. So on the afternoon of July 10th, 2015, Sandra Bland hopped in the car to go grocery shopping. 
and on her way to the store, a state trooper pulled up behind her, and he's following real close on her bumper. And she did what we all do. When a cop gets real close up behind you, but they don't have the woo-woos on yet, you get out of their way. Like, he's got somewhere to be. Now, mind you, it's the middle of a bright, sunshiny afternoon, and Prairie View is not exactly a high-traffic area. He could have just gone around her, but whatever, get out of his way. So she moves over. And then, whoop, whoop, the lights come on. Now he's pulling her over. (sighs) So she pulls over to the side of the road. He pulls up his squad car behind, as they're supposed to. And State Trooper Brian Encinia brings his car to a stop and approaches the driver's side window. The reason he states for pulling her over? Failure to signal a lane change. She didn't use a turn signal when she got out of his way when he was riding her ass. So, Sandra is no stranger to traffic stops. This is not her first rodeo. She knows the drill. She gives him her uh, her papers. He goes back to his car and she's irritated as fuck because she has been pulled over for some bullshit. So she lights a cigarette in her car. She's sitting in her car. She can smoke a cigarette if she wants to. State Trooper Brian Encinia disagrees with this woman's right to smoke a cigarette in her car. About five minutes after he has walked away, he returns to the driver's side. He sees that she's smoking. He asks if she's irritated. And she responds that, yes, she is. Because, internal monologue, she has just started finally getting her life back together. She has just gotten a brand new job. She has finally got some hope on her horizon. And she's getting pulled over for some lame-ass bullshit. She is being railroaded into a yet another ticket, which is just going to shove her down another shit spiral of financial debt to the state. That whole, her whole hopeful future that was ahead of her has now been shunted off into this whole rat's nest of possibilities because this guy decided he wanted to pull her over. So yeah, she's a little irritated. And honestly, I've watched the dash cam footage. I feel like she was quite composed given all the givens. But now what I'm going to do here. I'm going to find the, I've got the dash cam video and I'm going to drop a sound bite of it right here so that the listener can hear because you've watched it. Oh yeah. I have definitely watched it. I want the listener to hear how quickly this state trooper goes from ma'am, are you okay? To get out of the car, get out of the car right now. Give me a few minutes. All right. You okay? I'm waiting on you. You. This is your job. I'm waiting on you. What do you want me to do? Oh, you seem very irritated. I am. I I really am. I feel like this cop is what I'm getting typical. for. I was getting out of your way. You were speeding up, tailing me. So I move over and you stop me. So, yeah, I am a little irritated, but that doesn't stop you from giving me a ticket. So, let's continue. Are you done? You asked me what was wrong and I told you. Okay. So now I'm done, yeah. Okay. You mind putting out your cigarette, please? Don't mind. I'm in my car. Why do I have to put out my cigarette? Well, you can step on out now. I don't have to step out of my car. Step out of the car. Step out of the car. No, you don't have the right. Step out of the car. You do not have the right to do that. I do have the right. Now step out or I will remove you. I refuse to talk to you other than to identify myself. Step out or I will remove you. I am getting removed for a failure. Step out or I will remove you. I'm giving you a lawful order. Get out of the car now or I'm going to remove you. And I'm calling my lawyer. I'm going to yank you out of here. Okay, you're going to yank me out of my car? Get out. Okay. 
All right. 25. Let's, let's do this. Yeah, we're going to. Yeah. Don't, don't touch me. Get don't out of the car. Me. Don't touch me. I'm not under arrest. You don't have the right to take you me. You are under car. arrest. I'm under arrest for what? 2547 County FM 1098. Just order 290. Send me another unit. Get out of the car. Get out of the car now. Why am I being apprehended? You're trying to give me a ticket I said for your get failure? out of the car. Why am I being apprehended? You I'm giving you a lawful order. You I'm going to drag you out of here. So you're going you to drag me out of my own car? Get out of the car. And then you I will light me? you up. Get out. Wow. Now. Wow. Get out of the car. Really for a failure to signal. You're doing all of this for Get over there. Right, yeah. It's seconds. Within seconds, he goes from asking her if she's okay to screaming at her to get out of the car, ordering her to get out of the car. Now, she is a citizen of the United States. She has been pulled over so many damn times. But she knows that he's wrong. She knows that this is going off the rails. She's got her phone out at this point, and she's recording him. That video was just released this last year. Yeah. In 2019, by the way, and it's harrowing because he is screaming at her. It is clearly visible in her video and in the dash cam video. He's screaming at her to get out of the car. When she doesn't get out of the car, he pulls his taser, shoves it in her face and says, I will light you up. Get out of the car. So, okay, she gets out of the car at that point. And this is where it was like watching a horror movie because he walks her around the trunk of her car past the nose of his dash cam, and then out of view of the camera, off to the right onto the sidewalk. The second they're out of view, you can hear her starting to exclaim in pain. She says, you almost broke my goddamn wrist. We don't know what happened. Because between him walking, walking her off camera and the bystander who came out to record, we don't know what happened because the bystander's video starts with her face down on the ground with a cop's knee in her back. We don't know what physical altercation went down right then, but State Trooper Brian Encinia claims that she struck him. So Sandra Bland was arrested that fine afternoon and charged with assault of, what is it, assault of a public servant. And she's booked into the Waller County Jail that night. She complained that he hit her head, right? And that her ear was ringing? Yes. During the bystander video, you can, and it's corroborated by the dash cam video, you can hear her say, you hit my head. I can't hear. She tells him, by the way, fun fact, she has epilepsy, which did not hinder her in the pursuit of her goals, but it was clearly a health concern. Any trauma to the head is an immediate health risk factor for anybody with a neurological condition. So... With her injuries, she's complaining of an injured arm. She's complaining of being hit in the head. She says her ears are ringing. She says she's got bruises on her back. She's booked into the Waller County Jail. Uh, I found, I don't know if you were able to find, I was able to find no reference that medical attention was brought to her. No. She was just, or the, I, she's then, just booked into prison. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I didn't. And I saw that, mm -hmm. um, from what I understand, there were, quote unquote, conflicting reports about mm -hmm. what she disclosed but at least in one instance she did say hey there there are mental health issues mm -hmm. to to alert you and you know on her intake forms on yeah. her intake forms and nonetheless you know that's always a possibility when you have mm -hmm. you know a physical altercation between you know a person and um a police officer it you know, it yeah. seems like a no-brainer that you should always be aware that that's a possibility. That you should always be aware that there are risks. And if the person has 
if there was a physical altercation, some medical attention, they at least, to be, at least need to be evaluated so that we can show for the record that there was no, you know, if there were no injuries, you know, the, this is in the police best interest as well. So they book her into the jail and on her intake form, they, they there's a lot of questions. And on the intake form is where she mentions um, that she has had a history of depression, uh, that she did lose a baby within the last year, uh, and that after losing that baby, she did attempt suicide which is the first time anybody ever knew. She didn't tell anybody. Her family had no idea. Her friends had no idea. That form is the first time a suicide attempt is mentioned. So this Waller County Jail staff have an inmate who, yes, has been brought in for assaulting a a public servant, uh, but has mentioned on their forms uh, a past history of mental illness, uh, of mental health issues, and a suicide attempt. So then they take that that inmate and you can see it in the video. The Waller County Waller County Jail is not super high tech. There's like two cameras in the front room and you can see two holding cells, like with the gray bars and everything. You can see on the video, they take her out of that cell and walk her down a hallway all the way to the back and around a corner, no longer visible by camera. There are no cameras back there on the cell where she is taken and she is kept alone That Friday night, she's put into the cell by herself with no cameras whatsoever. And she's locked in there alone. She does have a couple of phone calls. I think the last time her family heard from her was that Saturday night because she's trying to get bail. Mm -hmm. She was set with a $5,000 bond. So it would be $500 to a bondsman to get her out. And you know what? Nobody has $500. Nobody's got the money. The family's trying to maybe scrape something together, but that's going to take a hot minute. So she's just going to have to wait until somebody can get the bail together. So she's waiting alone, isolated in the cell in the back. And the jail is supposed to be checking on their prisoners every hour. Every hour you need to have face to face. Look at that inmate and make sure they're okay. They need to assess their condition. You need to make sure. Are you all right? Mm -hmm. You have to be able to assess if there's anything wrong. Apparently that wasn't done because she was arrested on Friday. Saturday, she's talking to her family about getting bail. Sunday night, who knows? Because Monday morning, Monday morning, Sandra Bland was found dead in her holding cell at the Waller County Jail, having apparently hung herself by the neck with a trash can bag. And no evidence was ever found, either fingerprints or DNA or anything that would indicate that anyone but Sandra Bland came into contact with the noose that was around her neck. She was only 28 years old. And I just don't... I just don't even know. I just don't... I'm not saying that the police killed her. I'm saying they neglected her to death. You're saying she didn't have to be in that position. She didn't have to die. This shouldn't have you happened. Do, a, an inmate, a person, mm. a woman, a person, not an inmate, a person who you know by their own admission has been injured, has a history of depression, and has attempted suicide in the past, and you stick them in a corner and leave them to their own devices. And then act surprised when tragedy fucking strikes. And uh, as she said in the video numerous times, 
for a failure to signal. The precipitating event. Yes. All this. Was a failure to signal. That was the last voicemail that they have that she left on her sister's voicemail was, I don't know how a failure to signal turns into all this. And that may be the last words that she spoke on this earth. Hey, so normally this is the part of the show where we would read a review and reaffirm our faith in humanity. But today we would rather reaffirm our faith in you specifically. You are awesome. You are worthy. And the world is a better place with you in it. So if you or anyone lucky enough to have you care about them need help, please reach out to friends, to family, or to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. It is free and entirely confidential. So one more time, that's 1-800-273-8255. We love y'all. Take care. Did I miss anything? Not not from the point of view of the the videos I watched at the stops mm-hmm. and how the um how you treated the the actual um interaction between mm-hmm. Encinia and and Sandra Bland. It was it was shocking to me. So, like, I know I remember watching it back in 2015 and being like, "Gah, gah!" But particularly now, through a 2020 lens, just hideously shocking how how quickly he went from zero to psycho. So, on her, I feel like, and this is this is not the lawyer talking. Mm-hmm. This is not necessarily the mom talking. This is the woman. This is the me who, when I would drive alone at night. And I would wonder, okay, if I was going to get pulled over, what mm-hmm. public place would I find? Yeah, absolutely. This was this is from the the place of somebody who knows, like, there is a difference between the person who has power over you mm-hmm. and not. I feel like that turn, that switch that flipped was because she didn't yield. Um, yeah. He said, are you irritated? And he expected and almost impliedly was demanding her to be like oh no it's okay yeah and she didn't no she didn't she didn't back down and i feel like if in that moment when she said yeah i'm irritated if that if that had come out of my face or your face it would have gone differently i i think you're right and because she said out loud and it was on the dash cam Mm -hmm. you were coming up so fast behind me i was Mm -hmm. trying to get out of your way Mm -hmm. and then you pulled me over and it's like, um, I, f- I feel like it was that I got a light. A light was shown back at me. Mm-hmm. And he did not handle it respectfully or, no. you know, courteously or professionally. Yeah, it was it like you can see because it happened so fast, like clearly a button is pushed mm-hmm. by this defiant black woman who she's not threatening and she's not belligerent. She's just not going to tell him it's okay give me and he even says i was just going to give you a warning but here's where it goes now like now you have to get out of the car i hate him so much i i'm gonna go ahead and unbiasedly say brian and sania can fucking eat a bag of dicks oh so he's no longer we'll get to it no no and the the dps um director steve mccraw um came out and said he he did not follow procedure or protocol yes in that stop he did not do anything in the order no. and 
with the demeanor you are supposed mm-hmm. to. And and that's evident watching the video. Now, what he did is not an isolated incident in this country. So, but let's let's focus on this story. No, for sure, it's so not isolated. What uh, what have you got? Okay, what happened? What do, where do we go from here? Brilliant lawyer friend who is smarter than me. Oh my gosh! So, um, I was thinking that the things that were so problematic was, um, it was determined through the investigation that, um, so there was, um. There was at least in one um, reporting from the Texas Tribune that he in particular had a history of pretextual stops. And a pre- What's a pretextual stop? So a pretextual traffic stop involves, and that is when a police officer stops you for a minor traffic violation, which allows the officer to kind of um, determine if there's another offense going on. Oh, so, Okay. Um, and so he was suspected of, of profiling, I believe. And mm-hmm. it's controversial because if somebody does break the law, then absolutely mm-hmm. that officer is well within, you know, the the execution of his duties to pull somebody over. Mm-hmm. But in this situation, you know, um, it I think it this situation, the failure to signal really highlighted you know, mm-hmm. how, how problematic that can become under the wrong circumstances. Now, yeah. he um, said initially that he saw her run a stop sign, but that the stop sign he believed was on private property and he realized he couldn't pull her over. And so he followed her for some time. Oh now, if you have, um, you know, just been alive and in that situation, like, mm-hmm. you know how incredibly difficult it is to not feel nervous or anxious mm-hmm. if you feel like you're being followed by the police. Your your thought is, I'm mm-hmm. okay, what did I do? I'm at ten and two. Yeah. I'm gonna get pulled mm-hmm. over. So yeah. um, my my thought is, oh my God, how big is this ticket gonna be? <laughs> I it never occurs to me, oh my God, this might be the day I die. Well that's true. And so um But that's privilege. So <laughs> um there was definitely um I I watched some some videos and I I read a bunch of literature trying to you know, understand some of the legal implications of, you know, these stops. And there was one I saw a, de- a detective. No, was he a detective? Well, anyway, it was a law enforcement officer explaining that if you follow somebody long enough, they will break the law and you will pull right. them over. It's just hmm. a matter of time. And so um, and once you do that, then the officer has, you know, um, has the authority to ensure you're not breaking another law. And so that's oh where God. it becomes kind of problematic. And now he yeah. said he pulled her over. And um, when he was investigated for basically the stop, mm-hmm. he said that he had her exit the vehicle to further conduct a safe traffic investigation. Now, mind you, that happened after he had already returned to the car with oh, yeah. no. the ticket. Mm-hmm. And so um, he was asked, well, why? Why didn't you... Um, you know, why wasn't that done early? And when she said, why am I under arrest? Why didn't you answer that question? And mm-hmm. he was like, she was resisting and I was trying mm-hmm. to get her under control. And so those statements, the way he was describing the incident mm-hmm. is really what um, what DPS, I believe, found problematic. Um, he mentioned that at more than one time he felt fear for his own safety he said that he was concerned that she may have had something hidden or that something was up. He didn't know what it was. So so 
Watching the video, Sandra Bland, she's a tall woman. Mm-hmm. She is tall, athletic. Uh, she is a mighty woman. However, she was wearing a sundress and sandals, and she had a phone in her hand. This was what was threatening him. So um, he also, well, this, this woman, the threat, it turns out he was talking about, he didn't know what was hidden within reach in her personal area or in her purse. And he thought that she may have had um, a weapon or drugs. And so these, mm-hmm. these are the comments he's making during the investigation. And okay. clearly it was thought to be problematic when he was. Yeah, um, that, that sounds like a lot of ass covering. After the fact, his okay. story, um, the way he was trying to frame the events were challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, he kept saying he had a feeling that something could have been, you know, retrieved. They were like, well, then why didn't you ask her to step out of the car earlier? So right. there were there were huge problems. Um, I think it's important to note that she did not, by law, have to be, you know, nice to him, her no. Her comments to him were well within her First Amendment rights. Mm-hmm. Um, we expect the the burden of authority on the police is that they remain the adults mm-hmm. and they remain calm. Now, in that situation, we don't have to do that. No, that's right. And so him, there's no law saying we have to. That's right. And and when he asked her to put out her cigarette, and she was like, "Why do I have to put out my cigarette? I'm in my car." There was nothing wrong with that. It, it might bristle mm-hmm. some that she didn't just say, "Oh, okay, yes." Sir, but that was oh, I'm not sorry, a, officer. a binding order. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a mandatory lawful request. However, right. in a traffic stop, um, at any point when the officer says, get out of your vehicle, get out of your vehicle. That is a lawful yeah. order. And once you challenge that lawful order, you're in different territory. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, that's clearly what came to a head here. Once right. she was like, you can't make me get out of my car. And he's like, I'm giving you a lawful order. And you're not getting mm-hmm. out of your car. That changed the nature of the situation somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, the grand jury, a grand jury was convened and indicted in Sania on perjury based on his statement, primarily the statement where um, he said that he had our exit to conduct to further conduct a safe traffic investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, but the jury, the grand jury did not indict with respect to her death. And so. Okay. Are we going to talk about grand juries? Can I pause you and ask you about grand juries? So I watched the documentary, okay. um, the Sandy Speaks documentary mm-hmm. about uh, all of this. And uh, everybody should. Is that what it's called? Hold on. Yeah, say her name. Say her name is the documentary. And uh, it's on HBO. Everybody should watch it. Um, and they kept saying, they said this several times, that a DA could indict a ham sandwich okay. with the right grand jury. How? How I feel like we probably talked about grand juries before, but like shit's gone down since then. So I don't remember. How's a grand jury even work? Okay, so we we've only kind of touched on it. And so today Mm -hmm. we'll talk about it a little bit more Um, under the in the um, Code of Criminal Procedure, I believe. So it's um, the Code of Criminal Procedure, chapters 19 and 20. If you want to, you know, grab your book and and read along at home. Follow along. (laughs) So the grand jury (laughs) is a group of 12 people who meet certain um, qualifications and who are supposed to represent a broad cross-section of the population. And Mm -hmm. the um, idea is that they are going to represent, you know, the the county Mm -hmm. and um, every felony case that goes to trial or that is pled must be indicted by a grand jury. It's provided in the Texas constitution. So it is the Mm -hmm. means by which a criminal indictment is issued. 
So these so are... So who picks the jurors? Ah, so um, prior to 2015, there were a couple mm-hmm. different ways. And Texas did also have what should be known, um, what was known as the Picapel system, where a judge would have the authority to recruit or pick, select the grand jurors that would be mm-hmm. determining whether or not indictments would be issues, would issue against, um, mm-hmm. you know, certain defendants. And that was changed in 2015. So now it is a selection process, much like jury selection. However, okay. there there are some interesting things that we should know, and, and we'll get to why the um, or where the they can get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich where that came from um the grand jury convenes and the um these are secret proceedings grand Mm -hmm. jurors are not allowed to discuss them witnesses who come and testify before a grand jury Mm -hmm. they're sworn in and um they um are under oath to not disclose anything discussed Mm-hmm. And but this is like this is not a trial. There's no other side of the story being brought so in. That is right? critical. There is um, the prosecutor gives a presentation of the facts mm-hmm. of the, the the case or, you know, what the um, the charge would be and the evidence that they choose to bring before the grand jury. And mm-hmm. um, the defense lawyer is not a part of that. Like if somebody is um, if there is a potential criminal defendant or the accused um, as such wants attorney representation. They may have a lawyer. They may even have one um, appointed to Mm -hmm. advise them, but they, that lawyer cannot go into the grand jury proceeding. Mm -hmm. There are only certain people by law that can be in there. The bailiff, Mm -hmm. the court reporter, um, Mm -hmm. the prosecutor and the grand jurors. There's not a presiding judge. There's a lawyer um, for Sandra Bland's family. He was not allowed in there. No, that's right. So there's the, not even an advocate for the victim no, is allowed in. That's right. Okay. And so um, the prosecutor presents the evidence. If the grand jury has questions, they mm-hmm. can bring those questions to the prosecutor. And okay. um, there is no requirement that exculpatory evidence or evidence tending to show mm-hmm. the opposite, um, you know, that the the defendant or the accused is mm-hmm. um, innocent or, you know, could be innocent. There's no requirement that that be presented. And because of these layers of, um, I guess, these layers of um, kind of influence that the prosecutor could potentially have, that's mm-hmm. where this notion that the grand jury could be um, persuaded to indict a ham sandwich come from um, comes from. Ah, there okay. was a judge in New York State, um, Sol mm-hmm. Wachtler, and he <laughs> made a comment in the New York Daily News where he explained district attorneys now have so much influence on grand juries that by and large, they could get them to indict a ham sandwich. So that's an actual famous quote that's oh, okay. you know, been used over and over because of the way they operate. There's also no chance to um, for the defend um, for a defense mm-hmm. lawyer in a criminal um, proceeding to question the grand jurors mm-hmm. because their identities are secret and so well, there are, okay. you know, there are a lot of these um, aspects to that system mm-hmm. that make it, um, you know, it, it's a little, it's not an adversarial proceeding. It's not mm-hmm. a two-sided, you know, battle to present a case. It's very right. one-sided. And mm-hmm. um, also, there's no need for a unanimous grand jury vote. 
So you only need nine in order oh, to okay. indict. And so mm-hmm. that's that's where, um, yeah, that's where we are um, in terms so, of So the DA in Waller County pulls together this grand jury mm-hmm. uh, and the, the grand they lays out the facts as far as the DA had them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the grand jury decided to indict uh, State Trooper Brian Encinia for lying, mm-hmm. but not for any responsibility for her death. For for perjury, yeah, and um, yeah, but not yes, not criminally indicted. Now that's um, and I, I I don't know what the statistics are, but um, I will say that it's it's not surprising mm. because the 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 situations in which law enforcement and citizens have interactions that you know um, result in criminal charges they're imbued with, you know, a lot of people have inherent concern for the situation and it's hard Mm -hmm. to say in hindsight, but in this case, uh, it's also one of those that the grand jury could have thought there were too many factors. You know, Mm -hmm. they would be looking at the evidence as it relates to a very specific charge. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. um, I felt like they really had to compartmentalize that. Mm -hmm. Like her, her death is tragic and could easily overwhelm all of the other facts of the situation. They really had to look at what what he did wrong specifically as it relates to the law. Right. And so, and it's not, it, it was a class A misdemeanor that carried a penalty mm-hmm. of up to a year and a $4,000 mm-hmm. fine. Um, but that charge- For him. For yeah. him. And that charge mm-hmm. was ultimately dismissed. The district judge yeah. dismissed the charge um, at the prosecution's request. Because mm. it was made based on the agreement that Encinia would give up his police license and never seek another job in law enforcement. I mean, yay. And then um, the, there was a wrongful death suit against the county and multiple actors. Yep. And um, that was settled for $1.9 million and included provisions mm-hmm. for various policy changes um, at mm-hmm. the jail, including time. Sandra Bland? The Sandra Bland Act. So the Sandra they called it. Yes, the Sandra Bland Act was passed. Um, the mm. the suit the settlement said you know timely jail checks, on mm-hmm. duty nurses, jailer training, and then yes because that's the that's the thing. I'm gonna interrupt you for the nine hundredth time. Um, about the timely jail checks, mm-hmm. it came out as they were investigating this. Ooh, what? Oh, no, I don't Yo! know. What you, dude, that's never even. <laughs> I didn't even know my phone had a ringer. What? <laughs> That's awesome. Oh. It's probably not even going to come through on the audio. It's just going to sound like I'm suddenly saying shit. <laughs> anyway, the Waller County Jail had a policy where you have to go and check on your prisoners every hour. Yes. And it comes to find out. And the way the sheriff conveyed this information. Oh, my God. If any of y'all watch this documentary, hate him with me. Just as a person, not as a law enforcement personnel, just as a person. I hate this guy. He rubs all of my fur the wrong way. I just, oh, I just want to, oh, he's such a little, oh, because he has this, he's so super dismissive and just like, oh, yeah. like lackadaisical, what, what? Because what had happened was the person who was in charge of checking on the inmates, according to the sheriff, just had a habit of pre-filling out the chart where you write down what time you went and looked at the inmates and like like that was just how they did it and so you put down the time and then that's the time that you were supposed to go do it but 
oops, in this case, the person pre-filled out the times that they were supposed to go and check on Sandra Bland and then didn't go look at her for hours. Yes. And then, oops, she's dead. And his utter lack of any kind of empathy or remorse. Just indifferent to her. Or personal responsibility. The He didn't care about the situation until the new Black Panthers showed up outside the Waller County Jail to protest her death. Did you see that part? You're eating. You can't answer. No, <laughs> Don't eat while we're recording, hey, you fool. Have a sneaky chocolate. And you let me have my sneaky chocolate. I will let you have your sneaky chocolate. That's just therapy. Um, but no, the new Black Panthers showed up. There was a lot of protests at the Waller, at the Waller County Jail. And amongst them was the heavily armed new Black Panthers standing outside organized and peaceful and loud. We rock the packs to say freedom but death. We rock the packs to say freedom but death. And we mean it till our last breath. And we mean it till our last breath. We rock the pants to say freedom or death. We rock the pants to say freedom or death. And we mean it to our last breath. And we mean it to our last breath. Too black, too strong. Too black, too strong. Too black, too strong. Too black, too strong. All power to the people. 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 Too black, too strong. Too black, too strong. And right across the street, like, because they were across the street from the jail, and then just nothing but two lanes of blacktop between them and the entire sheriff's department. Just standing and staring but in that moment this is 2015 heavily armed people standing across the street from each other and nary a shot fired so that went well but yeah no he didn't care until the protest started coming to the jail then he started he you see him show a spark of emotional response but it's mostly just irritation at all these protesters he was more irritated at the fact that protesters were outside and trying to get into the jail which unsafe uh and making it too loud for the 911 dispatchers inside to be taking calls. He was more irritated about that than he was about the fact that a woman died on his watch. Yeah, I hate him. Oh, it's definitely wrenching. And um, I will, the, the Sandra Bland Act. Mm-hmm. Yes, let's passed, get back to like sensible yeah, stuff. Yeah, that uh, mm-hmm. mandated county jails to divert people with mental health and substance abuse issues towards treatment. Oh, okay. To make it easier for them to also receive a personal bond. Mm-hmm. If they have a mental illness or intellectual disability. Nice. Also requiring independent law enforcement agencies to investigate jail deaths. Mm-hmm. But the the act that the governor, um, Governor Abbott, signed into law did remove language that would mm-hmm. require counseling for officers who engaged in racial profiling. Mm. Um, and that was based on, um, mm-hmm. you know, reportedly based on um, pressure from law enforcement groups. Um, right. The family was not happy with the the version that ultimately passed. Um, And so after that, there have been attempts um, by other legislation filed in Texas to limit the discretion of officers to arrest and jail people for Class C misdemeanors. Um, Mm -hmm. And that those attempts have failed. Even one recently died in committee where the bill language maintained exceptions for the officers to um, to arrest if they've determined clear and immediate threats to safety. But, Mm -hmm. um, and so there's still a significant number of arrests in Texas, but in order to reform something like that, in order to change, there has to be a legislative will to pass Mm -hmm. measures that prescribe limits with respect to law enforcement. And Mm -hmm. just imagine how many Mm -hmm. times you've heard um, tough on crime. Right. Or, 
you know, um, law and order. Um, Mm -hmm. Imagine in Texas how difficult it is to find legislatures who are going to have a desire to do something that is perceived as limiting law enforcement or as not being tough on crime. So, um, well, and also I, I, it just feels to me through my limited perception of the Texas legislature, a lot of, um, former law enforcement end up going into politics in Texas. Well, and not only that, there is a lobbying arm to law enforcement groups. So remember, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not enough that, you know, um, there are legislators who will say, I will bring up a bill. I mean, mm-hmm. that one died in, in committee. It right. was, you know, filed. It was read. It was probably discussed. There were probably a lot of meetings. And then it was sent to committee. And it never made it out. Ugh. Um, Ugh. Yeah. So, yeah. You um, had me look something up. and I Did have, I? Yeah. I have some thoughts. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I don't even remember what I sent you. So this will be a surprise. What you got? You asked me for some you know, not even not legal advice, just straight mm-hmm. practical guidance on police mm-hmm. stops. Yes. What to do when you get pulled over. That's right. And so I want to say anybody that wants to have their heart broken, but also see some straight, um, straightforward common sense tips. There is mm-hmm. a video you can find on PBS.org called 10 Rules of Survival If Stopped by Police. Um, Send me a link to that so I can put it in the show notes. I sure will. And um, mm-hmm. so I looked at that and then I um, thought about the the cases that I've read and some of the other things. Mm-hmm. And I kind of and then, you know, I just filtered it through my own, you know, lens of life experience. And I would say for starters, if you are a person who lives in an area or travels regularly through an area that is very policed and we all know what we're mm-hmm. talking about. In Texas, yeah. we know there are certain counties that are regularly understood this way. Um, either they're speed traps or they're not friendly to out-of-towners or mm-hmm. teenagers. Like when I grew up in San Antonio, there is an area that is not incorporated, but it is mm-hmm. inside San Antonio city limits. And when we were teenagers, if we had to go through there, whether it be to pick somebody up or go to Taco mm-hmm. Cabana, we did not want to be there long because we just knew someone who had or we had witnessed or had our own bad experience. And we we're like, oh, teenagers get pulled through windows. Like, you don't, you just don't mess around there. And so... Pulled through windows? Oh, my God. There were, it was notorious. So, so like alien abductions in San Antonio? No, What's no, going on like, here? like teenagers were perceived as unruly. So when teenagers ah. got pulled over in this particular area, mm-hmm. you know, they were always in trouble. And mm-hmm. so if you are in Texas, if you're new to Texas, you need to find a friend mm-hmm. who will tell you <laughs> what county is what. Because when I uh, first moved into my area, uh, I heard uh, stories directly from police officers about arresting people either north or south of a particular county line. And if it was south of that county line, the guys were cool. But if they found out that they had been arrested north of that county line and they knew what county they were being taken to, grown-ass men would burst into tears. Because certain counties have a reputation for being particularly fierce when it comes to throwing the book at somebody. That's right. And so for me, like, first, know those areas. And Mm -hmm. second, ensure working order of your vehicle tags registration, Mm -hmm. make sure that stuff's up to date. Now, I mean, that's not Mm -hmm. um, an inoculation 
against getting right. pulled over. You can do every single thing right. But if you, like you said earlier, if you get followed for long enough, you're going to break. You'll mess up. Off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I've also heard things like when, um, when you are driving, don't hit your brakes or immediately pulled over. I've heard let off the gas. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also seen videos where, you know, the police express that they can follow somebody long enough. And so just mm-hmm. know that if you are feeling like you're going to get pulled over, um, as a practical guidance, I would think about where you'd be comfortable getting pulled over. Yeah. Like for me. Try and find a well-lit, very public area. Yes. Especially. A gas station with a lot of people at it. Something. Yes. that And that was like advice from my grandma when I was a mm-hmm. single female driving at night. Yeah. You know? At least, at the very least, get under a streetlight. Yeah. And the police have to let you find a safe place to pull over. Mm-hmm. They can't, you can't just pull over immediately as soon as they woo-woo you. Like, they've got to let you find a safe place. And so, um, critical, stay calm and polite and direct. Mm -hmm. Like, if you do get pulled over, um, have your license registration. Even though there is no law saying that you have to stay polite. I know. I know. Being irritable in your tone is not an, uh, an arrestable offense it's, it's really not it's true but if we're talking about just practical um but i would for say a practical matter f- for me that's a person with a gun i'm gonna keep it nice that's right and and just as a practical purely you know it is comply now complain later mm. um i would say you know um if you feel like um you know that if you feel like the rapport is not instant I would ask before reaching for your stuff. I would say, oh, yeah. do you mind if I grab my insurance? It's right here in the glove box. And have your paperwork easily accessible. Keep your hands where they are visible. That's mm-hmm. another rule. Whenever um, I'm getting pulled over at night, my hands are on the steering wheel until the officer asks me to do something else with them. That's right. Um, I think the other one is if you feel like you can ask the officer if you should turn the dome light on. Mm-hmm. Um. Don't argue or push back, I think, is just, and it sucks. The onus should not be mm-hmm. on the person being pulled over. But I would say, as for the conversation, anything you say can get used against you later. And so you remember that um, your attitude and level of cooperation are going to be used in a very one-sided manner. Um, don't make any sudden moves. Don't try to get out of the car unless you're requested to. Don't reach or grab around you. Don't put your hands mm-hmm. in your pockets. And also be aware that if you are looking around furtively, if your movements are erratic, these are mm-hmm. things that are going to be noted in a report. And these yeah. are things that are going to be used in a manner that um, is not favorable to you. So mm-hmm. police at any... And, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So I was going to say police at any time can request for you to get out of the car. Mm-hmm. So just know that. Mm-hmm. And when and if that happens, try to avoid physical contact. And under no circumstances do you run, even if you feel compelled to. Just do Police not. are like terriers. They're going to chase you as soon as you run. Um, That's just how that is. Yeah. If you're given a ticket and you think it is unjust, I would sign it, take it, and complain yeah. later. With the police officer is not the time to argue about it. I would not. That's what judges are for. That's right. And I personally would not say anything I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen videos that um, discuss that after the stop is over, um, the officer may go and take notes. And mm-hmm. they're suppo- they supposed to be 
recounting the events and their perspective of the events and the interaction and the statements that were made. So just know that. And then if you are placed under arrest, um, and even if it is unjust and not right, even if you are thoroughly convinced that it's unlawful, I would say don't resist. Remember Mm -hmm. everything. Challenge it later. I would stay silent. That's right. Mm -hmm. I would stay completely silent and then politely state when asked for anything that you would like a lawyer. And then Mm -hmm. I would say nothing after. Now, that's important because, um, you know, call your lawyer or call somebody to call your lawyer. But if you're Mm -hmm. calling from jail and you call your lawyer, um, that call is private. Mm -hmm. If you call anybody else, that call is not private. But what if you don't have a lawyer? So you can say, I'd like a lawyer and they Mm -hmm. can have one. Then a public defender can be assigned Mm -hmm. to you. Because uh, that's in the Miranda thing that they have to say. That's right. That if you cannot afford one, one will be appointed for you. Yeah, I would. And then don't say anything until that lawyer shows up. That's right. And um, yes, yeah, so you, um, what is it? You don't get urged into talking. Don't mm-hmm. um, don't say I want a lawyer and then offer something upon a new question because there are ways that your request for a lawyer can be overridden by your um acquiescing to questioning Mm -hmm. and and the police who are interrogating somebody they know the rules and so they know how to how to veer you in that direction and you they also know that you probably don't know those specific rules and the legal precedents on this and so don't sign anything don't Mm -hmm. offer to write a statement stay calm and quiet even though it is stressful and exhausting and just Mm -hmm. maintain um composure that your objective is going through this incident you know Mm -hmm. and um i think watching that that video watching other videos where people talk about these um encounters with law enforcement and most are fine most people just say oh that was a waste of my time that i had to sit there for however many minutes Mm -hmm. but the idea is you don't want that one incident to ensnare you in a way that you don't make and, it home. And a caveat on all of this, all of these, these are excellent tips and excellent, excellent guidelines, and they are all great in the best case scenario. And so all of this is designed for us to help do our part to create a best case scenario when interacting with the police. Uh, we have, you know, at all assuming that um, there's no racial profiling going on, that there's no... Uh, difference in treatment based on the color of your skin in that situation there's no difference in reaction of the cop uh based on the color of your skin like it sucks that we have to completely micromanage every aspect of that interaction just to make sure that we are neither uh, that we're not in you know best case scenario in legal trouble in worst case scenario dead at the end of that interaction so yes and there are two things i thought of there is a law professor named James mm-hmm. Dwayne um, who put mm-hmm. up a video on the YouTube that you can find from March 2012 and it's called Don't Talk to the Police. Okay. And so this law office, this um, law professor gives us presentation. I'm going to need a link to that too. Okay. And and I think everybody <laughs> should watch it. Um, okay. That he gives time to um, a police, a former police officer who um, also talks about and confirms everything he said. But he's like, don't talk to the police. 
You have the right to not incriminate yourself. And you are not smart enough to outwit Mm -hmm. police who have interrogated tons and tons of people. And there is nothing you can offer that would be helpful to you. There is only Mm -hmm. stuff you can offer that will be damaging and incriminating to you down the line. And it is such a well thought out presentation and mm-hmm. it's he, he uses a couple, you know, clever persuasive um, devices that just really nail why you tell your kids, you tell your mm-hmm. friends, you get a lawyer and you just shut yeah. up. You just you are not going to win the battle of wits with the people that do this over and over and over and over and over. Yeah. A this thousand is their times job. Day. They went to school for this. <laughs> Stop. So it's like. No. And it's fantastic. He's like, I know I'm a law, I'm a law professor. I get it. But he was, a, mm-hmm. you know, it's delightful and everybody should watch it. Plus, okay. um, something that bears on my mind is there's that TikTok video that went viral with the um, young man from Houston who said that his mom had given him a list of unwritten oh, rules yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about leaving the house. And mm-hmm. um, that stuff was, like don't have your hands in your pockets. Don't wear a hoodie. Get a receipt. Stuff like that. Even if it's for a Yeah, always have a receipt. Mm-hmm. And so um, that kind of was on my mind when I was thinking about these, um, you know, pretty practical pointers because, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the objective is if it is wrong, you can mm-hmm. file a complaint later. You can file a complaint with, you know, the county. You can get, you, yeah. you can get all the information you can. Get names, get badge numbers, remember everything, say nothing. That's right. And I think that this is really good guidelines, not just for getting pulled over, which is, of course, the focus of us right now because of Sandra Bland, but also for everybody who's out there right now at the protests, perhaps encountering law enforcement and perhaps getting arrested for speaking up uh, and standing up for uh, for black lives in this moment in time. Also good advice. Absolutely. There's, um, you know, for example, you do not have to answer questions about your political affiliations. Good. Um, okay. Apparently, okay. that's something that's coming up in the the dialogue with the protests. You don't have Ugh. to, you know, um, you don't have to answer questions when you're arrested. You can politely decline and say, "I'm exercising mm-hmm. my right to remain silent." I'd like a mm-hmm. lawyer, and then you that's, should be done. It's in the rights, it's right there. You have the right to remain silent. That's right, and and just just don't have a tater salad moment where you have the right to remain silent. Yes, but not the ability. And. <laughs> As far as like the whole use of force question, all of these mm-hmm. practical pointers are important, um, even in light of the idea of the use of force, because how force is used against an individual um, is judged later on a variety of circumstances. The The standard um, mm-hmm. under the Supreme Court precedent is the objective reasonableness standard. There's that one again. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that means, though. It's the entire. That's if other people looking at it, yes. could say that, that, it, that it was reasonable. Then it's reasonable. Fair. Yes. Not if you think it is. If somebody standing over there thinks it's reasonable, but in this context, mm-hmm. it's the entirety mm-hmm. of the situation, based on the totality of the circumstances from the perspective of a reasonable officer. Oh, whoa, whoa! That's different. On the scene, <laughs> at the moment, oh, force was used without twenty twenty hindsight in circumstances that are tense, uncertain, and rapidly evolving. So that 
sounds really stacked in favor of the law enforcement. And so, right, you're going to, it does sound that, you know, that's, we have to, um, I think, as a society recognize that some of those situations are harder to judge than others. Right. Because again, we have to acknowledge that in a perfect world, that same professionalism and skill level that we were referencing as a reason not to speak to cops earlier because we're not going to be smarter than them is also something that we have to assume and hope and pray is applicable in a confrontational situation, that they are still that smart and that skilled. And we have to recognize that, you know, every time a police officer walks up to a car, that Mm -hmm. could be a dangerous situation. Every warrant that is served. Right. I've always operated when when I get pulled over, I've always operated from the position of that person who's walking up to the car doesn't know that I'm not about to kill him. Mm hmm. Or her. They don't know that I'm not a danger. So I have to do everything in my power because I know I'm not a danger. I know that they're far more dangerous to me just on the potential of all the hardware that they're carrying. So I have to do everything in my power to project not dangerous. Right. And we have to, to be able to keep that. them at ease. That's and right. Yes. But also we need to acknowledge that you can still do you can do everything right and still History has shown we have evidence in cases in recent years. There's an entire movement that's that's moving protests right now that shows you can do everything right and still end up on the very, very wrong side of an interaction with police. You could still end up dead. It's it's and it's such a hard, dicey Mm -hmm. issue. And you do. And I think it's why you have to break down these facts into the most granular Mm -hmm, pieces mm -hmm. like the um, the the. Of the factors that we're looking at, some of them include like the severity of the crime. When you're looking at was that use of Mm -hmm. force reasonable, whether the subject was an immediate threat to the officer, how Mm -hmm. the subject was actively resisting or not, um, Mm -hmm. whether they were attempting to flee. You know, so then there are other things, too, like availability and proximity to weapons or was it daytime? Was it nighttime? You Mm know, um, what were the circumstances of the area they were in, of the activities that were occurring around the the size and the age and the physical description of officer as well as the suspect? Mm-hmm. So I mean, oh, yeah. and once you start unpacking There's so much all Jesus. of these things, it's mm-hmm. much harder to to judge. You know what what would be right in a situation, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's glaring. Sometimes it's egregious. Such as in the case with Sandra Bland. So right. Where the situation escalated so quickly, so out of hand, and was so badly handled after the fact, like as far as her treatment. Yes. As far as as how she was handled while she was incarcerated. And Um, that is enormously glaring. No, I think so. And I think that's why when Encinia was questioned... I think that's mm-hmm. why um, when I'm reading the reporting, certain things were highlighted. Like, did he, he said his uh, safety. He felt like mm-hmm. it was in jeopardy more than once. He, he noted that she looked around the area and he mm-hmm. thought she had things in reach. Because those are, those are things that I mean, go into the report, that go into that list of circumstances and factors. Mm-hmm. She was argumentative. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. But she was no more argumentative than your classic Karen. Well, and the point is, you know, being abrasive during an encounter mm-hmm. is is not a justification for no, you know, excessive. I can't tell you. I mean, if you look right now, you can you could Google Karen plus police, 
and you can find any number of videos of white men, white women being nine million times more belligerent with a police officer than Sandra Bland was in that moment. And those women are still alive. Or at least, I mean, I don't know. I'm not investigating all of their individual lives. I assume they survived that encounter. So it's, and they didn't end up in jail. And I just, um, the reason I bring up that the way forces, the use of force is judged is because mm-hmm. we should be mindful of that as far as mm-hmm. when we're looking at these situations, um, you know, and sometimes we're appalled. We're just like something doesn't, yeah. something doesn't meet the smell test. Something doesn't mm-hmm. strike you as an ordinary person who is sympathetic to the fact that police officers have a hard job. They work mm-hmm. long hours they're put in dangerous situations and then you see mm-hmm. certain things and you're like, yeah, but no, mm-hmm. you know, there are things that are a bridge yeah. too far. And in order to appreciate that we are free people in a free state, yes, mm-hmm. you know, somebody should be allowed to be a Karen to a, an officer and the officer is going to mm-hmm. still remain, you know, the, the lawful um, mediator of that situation. Mm-hmm. Well, and to that point, uh, you had reminded me of that clip, and I'm going to drop that right here, of, uh, was his name Jesse? Jesse Williams. He gave that speech mm-hmm. in which he said that Sandra Bland would still be alive today if she hadn't been so free. There has been no war that we have not fought and died on the front lines of. There has been no job we haven't done. There's no tax they haven't levied against us, and we've paid all of them. But freedom is somehow always conditional here. You're free. They keep telling us. But she, she, she would have been alive if she hadn't acted so free. She hadn't acted so free. Yes. Yes, that was so. such a powerful line. That was a really powerful speech, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he makes a comment when he's talking about the injustice um, of the excessive use of force that have been, um, that the black people have endured in this country. And he said... What we've been doing is looking at the data, and we know that police somehow manage to de-escalate, disarm, and not kill white people every day. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right. You know, there are yeah. um, there are good reasons to mm-hmm. be critical of um, you know the the excessive use of force when we know that there are cert- there are situations, there are certain interactions where the right intervention would just cause better outcomes over and over and yeah. over. Mm-hmm. absolutely black lives matter there i said it <laughs> do we have anything else i think we the, we covered the um the most um obvious topics with respect to this story um and i would urge people to send questions if they have a particular yeah idea um or, or legal nuance that they that we've just kind of glossed over or that, mm-hmm. you know, they would like yeah. clarified or looking discussed. at you, Lord Piggleton. <laughs> That's right. I, I, I imagine Lord Piggleton cracked open his book when you mentioned that earlier, his or hers <laughs> let's, or, or any point in between their book. Yeah. Let's, let's hope. I will say um, I'm glad we um, are honoring Sandra Bland and mm-hmm. telling her story And so Mm -hmm. that we can all empathize with the having a bad day and that, you know, when we are not at our best, Mm -hmm. we can just hope that other people, you know, can can do better. Other people who are responsible for our welfare in that moment will do their job and help us. 
Yeah. And we can all Mm -hmm. expect a little more from each other as far as how we treat each other and Mm -hmm. that the fruits of this great country belong to all of us equally. Good morning, my beautiful kings and queens. It is March 4th, 2015. It's about 7.42 in the morning. I am on my way to work, but I do just want to let you kings and queens know that there is somebody out there who loves you and that is praying for you. Um, On my last video, I did speak on depression, and I want you guys to know it's a daily struggle. It is a daily, it's a daily test. You get up every day, and it depends on how you feel when you wake up that determines how your day is gonna go. But I'm here to tell somebody Don't let the depression get you down. Do not let it hold you and keep you locked in your spot where you are because that depression is nothing but the devil. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We appreciate you. If you would like to contact us, you can find us on all the cool social medias at OSWPodYall. That's at O-S-W-P-O-D-Y-A-L-L. Or you can email us at outlawsandscornedwomen at gmail.com. You can also check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash OSWPodYall and join the few, the proud, the patrons. As always, we are not investigators or journalists. We're just Daffy Broads with a podcast. So we will include links to all of our sources in the show notes. And I think that's it. So y'all have a good one and Black Lives Matter. Mm